Control-Alt-Attack, a primer on cybersecurity. Brought to you by Octopod, mobile charging solutions for your phone or tablet. Head over to octo-pod.com slash outset and use the coupon code OUTSET when you check out. From Outset, I'm Benjamin Green, and you are listening to Second Look, a podcast where we pause and take a second look at ideas and issues in politics and culture. Cybersecurity is a buzzword these days, but it shouldn't lose importance just because we hear it a lot. Cyber threats are very very, very real. Whether we're just talking about something as simple as, as quote, simple as identity theft, or the United States Government Office of Personnel Management hack that occurred, cybersecurity is important on an individual level, but it is exponentially more so at a government level. The threats, as I said a moment ago, are very real. For for instance, the Mexican drug cartels, which are just not even far away from us, have advanced cyber networks. For a while, they had um, their own private encrypted cell phone network across the whole country. I, I think that might have been disabled. I'm not sure. Even... Within the United States, Mexican drug cartels have sophisticated networks, especially as relates to the heroin trade. Um, There was a piece in the Washington Post just this week about how, well, I guess it was last week, but about how heroin is a high-tech operation. And it had largely been off the streets for a few years, being replaced by other drugs, but heroin is back and the operation is far more sophisticated. And internationally, with as regards ISIS, they have an incredibly high-tech operation. They've been known to hack Twitter accounts. They have these video uh, productions that are designed to scare the living daylights out of the world. Um, Cybercrime and cyber-terrorism are growing. They are. It's just the fact. And while the internet has done a lot of good, and I believe the internet has done more good than harm, and I believe that will continue, as the good that gets done as a result of the internet grows, the bad that gets done as a result of the internet grows along with it. President Obama has identified cybersecurity as a high-priority national security issue. Rightly, it is a high-priority. And WhiteHouse.gov contains the following list of, I guess, just specific cybersecurity targets. And I'm going to read this to you. This is direct from WhiteHouse.gov. Number one, protecting the country's critical infrastructure our most important information systems from cyber threats. 
Number two, improving our ability to identify and report cyber incidents so that we can respond in a timely manner. Number three, engaging with international partners to promote internet freedom and build support for an open, interoperable, secure, and reliable cyberspace. Number four, securing federal networks by setting clear security targets and holding agencies accountable for meeting those targets. And number five, shaping a cyber-savvy workforce and moving beyond passwords in partnership with the private sector. So, for the most part, I like this list. It, the, They're great. I, I'm not super fond of the fifth one, but that's not my real beef with this. My real beef with this is that it's not very specific. It's just like, oh yes, we want to be more secure. How are you going to do that? By being more secure. <laughs> and it doesn't really say anything. And 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 the the big biggest issue is if you scroll through the whole page on whitehouse.gov that contains these, I guess, priorities, you'll see that the Obama administration is working with executive orders and um, agency directives and memos rather than trying to do things through Congress. Now, constitutionally, I don't like that at all. And I hope you don't either. Because we, we're not supposed to have an executive branch that goes and makes laws. That's kind of the whole point. But in this exact instance, I am going to actually agree with President Obama and say that Congress kind of forced his hand a little bit. Um, these are executive agencies. Whether we like it or not, that's what they are. And Congress hasn't done much to help in the realm of cybersecurity, and it's something that must be done. We cannot wait any longer to develop our cybersecurity infrastructure, and so President Obama has acted, and he kind of had to, honestly. So, just moving beyond that, I, I have today three things Congress can do to improve cybersecurity. And I just wanna wanna point out for a minute that we are rapidly moving toward a world where everything is dependent on computer technology. And I personally am of the belief that individually, one of the best ways we can make ourselves secure is preparing for a crash of some type. Now, I know that makes me sound like a little bit of a prepper, but don't worry, I'm not going to go build a cabin in the woods and fill it with 50 years worth of food and guns. But I do think that as responsible Americans, we should prepare ourselves for what could happen in the event of 
some sort of major infrastructural collapse. Say that a terrorist attack were somehow able, I don't even know if this is technologically possible, but let's just say that it is, somehow able to shut down the internet in the United States for a week. One week. Can you imagine the billions, if not trillions, of dollars in damage to the global economy? What if they could do it for a month? Shoot, even for a day, it would be a nightmare. So much of what we do every day is dependent on the internet. So, on an individual level, I think that making sure you're not overly reliant on technology, making sure you can live for a while without a computer, I think that's probably a safe step and a wise step to take in your own life. But on a federal level, what can be done to improve cybersecurity? Well, I have three things here. Number one, ending redundancy in federal regulations. So it's no secret that that the federal government is very redundant in a lot of ways. We have a lot of agencies that do pretty much the same thing. And they might be slightly different, or then there will even be like sub-branches of agencies that are doing exactly the same thing. This could be streamlined, and aside from the money that it would likely save, it would probably just intrinsically improve our cyber defense. Because, you know, nothing stifles innovation more than excessive rules. And across the federal government, you have rules getting handed down by all sorts of different departments as to what your security level has to be um, for your technology. And if there were one place like, say, a congressional office or committee on on cybersecurity standards in the federal government. Make it very specific so that you're not risking overreach. Give it very limited jurisdictional authority um, so it's only overseeing federal agencies. But just streamline the policies... And, and the big one here is allow room for innovation. You know, for years, I believe it was Mercedes-Benz, anytime they make an innovation in car safety, I'm pretty sure this is Mercedes, they'll, they'll give it to the other auto manufacturers, even though, you know, they could patent it and make a lot of money off it that way. If it's a safety feature, they'll give it away. But... Those other auto manufacturers who who are receiving this new safety technology, um, regardless of who it is that's doing it, I think it's great. Uh, and, and the auto manufacturers that benefit are the ones who hadn't innovated. So, say for instance, in Congress, if you set up this agency and you have standards, well, maybe an employee working for the Secretary of the Interior on the Secretary of the Interior's secure data servers 
comes up with this new super cool way to encrypt the data on those servers. Well, now you have one place. You can go to the Congressional Office of Federal Government Cyber Regulations or whatever it's going to be called and say, hey, look, I came up with this cool thing. Can you spread it around to all the other agencies? And they can do that. Whereas now you'd have to kind of work through all sorts of different departments. And I'm sure there are like White House Office on Cybersecurity and I should have looked this up before starting recording. I didn't, but I'd be surprised if there weren't some sort of congressional committee on cybersecurity. And then, you know, there are just countless... The the National Park Service probably has some cybersecurity office to protect the data that they collect about animals and weather. The, The U.S. Forest Service. And, you know... It's just another one of these things where the federal government is very inefficient and inefficiency could help. Also, this would help get rid of some of the 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 different standards that come for different agencies. If the Office of Personnel Management had been up to spec, like say it was just as secure as, um, well, I mean, as the NSA, let's just say that. Would they have been hacked and had the information of millions of Americans stolen? Well, probably not. I mean, it's possible. It's always there. I'm of the belief that there is no unhackable system. Even before we had the internet, um, there was an explosion in Russia during the Cold War. So I guess the Soviet Union, excuse me. Um, an oil pipe explosion, and it was later discovered that the U.S. government was actually behind it, and there had been an IT system. We didn't really have the internet yet. <laughs> I know there were military networks and things, but, but the... Well, I guess by the 80s, there was some internet, but it wasn't the same. And, and the U.S. government was able to hack into the IT system, basically. It was more complex than that. And blow up this oil pipe in in the Soviet Union. So it's nothing new. And even before we had the modern internet, I'll put it that way, things were hackable. But, really, I feel like this should be Congress's first priority, is just standardizing things across the federal government. As, as big as it is, I'm sure it would save a lot of money a lot of time, and I really do think it would improve our security. Number two is allocate some defense spending away from traditional defense to cyber defense. Cyber defense is more of a national security threat than, say, a naval invasion. This That's not to say that the Navy and the Coast Guard aren't important, but the thing about a naval invasion is you see it coming. We have radar, we have satellites, we would know if someone were sending their huge ships here to attack us. We have that global vision. With a cyber threat, it can be there, do its damage, and be gone before you've even realized it's there. And it could take weeks or 
even if it only takes hours, it could be devastating. That That's why um, number two on the WhiteHouse.gov priorities is improving our ability to identify and report cyber incidents so that we can respond in a timely manner. Because sometimes it goes completely under the radar. You might not even know what happened. That's the real danger here. Whereas a naval invasion, like in this day and age, you're gonna know it's happening. (laughs) And really, our defense spending, I think we need to audit the Pentagon, audit everything, really, (laughs) in the federal government. But... But our defense spending, we spend a whole lot more money on defense than anyone else in the whole entire world. And yet, as far as cybersecurity is concerned, we seem to still be pretty vulnerable. And I can only imagine, like, what incidents happen that the public doesn't hear about. Because, you know, we heard about this Office of Personnel Management hack, but you know, maybe someone else has been hacked and had a lot of data stolen and we just don't even know about it because it's all top secret and whatnot. So many more things happen to the government than we realize in this realm. So I really feel like this should be a huge spending priority. More than ships, more than planes... We, we, could, we could do a lot better with our spending. Let me just put it that way. We, we could afford to cut in some areas the military defense budget and just redirect it to cybersecurity. One of the reasons this is so important is that our law enforcement is years behind the, the criminals in this case. The, the innovation isn't happening within law enforcement as quickly as it's happening in the criminal world. As I mentioned before, there were those encrypted cell phone towers all over Mexico that the cartels could communicate with each other and the government couldn't get in. I don't know for sure whether the government has cracked those or not, but I'm I'm sure that's just one of many thousands of threats around the world. There, there were terrorist attacks in Mumbai not too long ago where... where criminals set up an operations center. They had cameras, they had cell phones, they had all sorts of things, and one group of terrorists went into the building and just started killing as many people as possible, and the other group of terrorists were sitting there in their operations center looking at blueprints of the building, and they found a guy and sent up, uh, they were like, hey, we found this guy, he says he's just a school teacher, and the people back at the operations center did a web search. Turns out the guy wasn't just a school teacher. He was a rich businessman, and so they killed him. And, you know, that was just using technology like Google. To... <laughs> but but the, the law enforcement tracking them would have been lucky to have half of the technology that the terrorists were using. In the U.S., that's probably a little bit less of an issue than in other countries, but I'm sure it's still an issue. I I am confident that the criminals have more advanced technology than the government, and that's not a good thing. The people tracking the criminals should have the same amount of tech as 
the well, ideally more than than the people they're tracking. So so we need to prioritize this as a budget item in our national defense. And we're going to get to number three in just a second. I just want to make sure you have taken the time to go to octo-pod.com slash outset and go take a look. They've got the Ion 3, the Ion Solar, which I think is just totally cool because it works like the regular battery backups. So you can hook it up via USB to your computer, um, or I mean to the wall or whatever, and you can charge it. And so it stores, I think it's like 2,600 watt hours of battery. And then you can hook it up to your phone and it'll recharge your phone using both its internal battery and the solar panel on the outside. So you can kind of have power wherever you go really like the Ion Solar, go ahead and give it a look at octo-pod.com slash outset and use the coupon code OUTSET when you check out. So number three for Congress, and this one's a little controversial, and it's one that we don't really know what the outcome would be. But I think it's an idea that has promise and should at the very least be considered. And that is to take the Linux approach. Now, if you are a a super techie, you're yelling at me in your head right now for not saying GNU plus Linux, but I'm just going to call it Linux. Um, Linux is an open operating system. All of its code is freely available for you to see, for you to program and add to. You can make any changes you want to make to the Linux code base. And there are all sorts of different, they're called distros or distros, and that stands for distributions of Linux. You might have heard of Ubuntu, or there's... OpenSUSE, or there's Fedora, I mean, too many to even count. And they're all variants on the same base of computer code that is free, that is completely available to everyone online. With this code being available everywhere online, and with a vast majority of the web servers in the world running on some variant of Linux, um, then you'd think it would be hyper-vulnerable. Because if you can see the code, then you can write viruses and malware specifically for that code that make it very difficult to get rid of them. While that is true, as far as being able to do the malware, it is completely false in that Linux, the most open operating system, is the most secure computer operating system available. So we have this delightful paradox where we we tend to think about security as being closed. You know, the TSA, we, we have airplane security, so it's really hard to get behind these lines. We have scanners and pat-downs and x-ray and all sorts of metal detectors, stuff like that, that keep you from getting behind 
the secure wall of the TSA. Or even outside of that physical context, traditionally, as far as cybersecurity is concerned, we're supposed to keep as much as possible about the system secret. That way, fewer people even know what's in it, so then fewer people can have the potential to break it and damage it and attack it. Linux, by being open, uh, I called it a delightful paradox, it is more secure because the code is available. Because, yes, while you do have people who could sit there programming malware and viruses specific to Linux code that and and you can make really complex ones, you also have millions of people from all around the entire world working to make Linux more secure every day. And so every single day, the Linux operating system, the the Linux core, is more secure than it was the day before. That's pretty crazy. And it only comes because it's more open. So by making itself more vulnerable, it made itself more secure. And there's the paradox. And even... If the government weren't to say, okay, let's open source everything. Let's make everything public. Uh, All of our computer, specialized computer operating systems and stuff like that. Let's make it all public for anyone to come see and, and deal with. Even if it weren't to go that far... It could take steps in that direction. Congress could put together a task force with... A thousand people in it. Just a thousand programmers and and cybersecurity experts. And just those thousand people working together, there would be a lot of new ideas. Sure, you do risk the potential of being more vulnerable. One of those thousand people might be best friends with someone whose cousin is a reporter <laughs> who's... And their best friend's cousin could be, you know, a terrorist. You, you never know. These vulnerabilities happen. But by, by introducing a thousand people to this, they're going to have a lot more innovation. And I'm not just talking hire a thousand new people to work at the NSA. I'm talking people specifically relegated to cybersecurity. A team where everyone is a peer... Where, where there's no management saying, this is what we're going to try to do. Where a thousand hackers and programmers and cybersecurity experts are just given the space to innovate, to try new things, and, and see how they work. I would imagine that overnight we'd see a difference, and within six months, we'd be the most secure nation on Earth, if we're not already. And just a bonus... Fourth item, (sighs) scale back the federal government's collection of data. I harp on this a lot. That was why I had the long sigh. I I feel guilty because (laughs) I talk about this a lot. But hey, it's my show. So, (laughs) 
I think it's very important that the federal government not collect data on citizens. I think it's important constitutionally, but I also think it's a security liability for the federal government to be holding data about its citizens. Now, I know it has to have some data, but the less data it has, the less vulnerable it is to attack. The it it's if you are a mugger and you can beat anybody up and you see one guy walking down the street holding a $10 bill up in the air and then you see another guy walking up in the street holding $10 million up in the air which guy are you going to beat up and steal if you're that mugger well you're going to get the guy with $10 million now that's a silly example but if the government had less data to hack it would get hacked less. Like, that's just simple logic. So, I I hope that these four points are insightful to you. Let me know if you agree. Go ahead and tweet me. My username's at bgreenaz. You can use the hashtag second look if you want, so all the tweets go to the same place. And let's call our congressmen. Let's call our senators. Let's get something done together. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Second Look. If you're looking for more information on cybersecurity, I highly recommend that you just go look up some TED Talks. That's T-E-D if you haven't heard of it. There's a lot of good information there, way more than I can give you in 30 minutes. Um, And it's all from experts, so, you know, that makes it better. But... I just want to thank you for tuning in today and remind you that you can subscribe in iTunes. That way you don't miss a single episode. And while you're there subscribing, if you could rate this episode with five stars, that would be, it would make my day the best day ever. Those ratings really do help a lot. Make sure to check out the Stephen Perkins program and follow at Outset Magazine on Twitter, OutsetMagazine.com. That's all I have for you today. Um, yeah, so instead of just babbling, I'm just going to say, have a great week. <laughs>